Right, so today we've got Cardiff Blues and Wales player Shane Lewis Hughes. Uh, Shane, first of all, did you have a good Christmas? Yeah, no, it was a strange one wasn't it, this year. Um, but you know, all in all, mate, it was a uh, it was a good Christmas. I think everyone needed it, didn't they? Something to look forward to after you know the pandemic and and what have you. So no, it was a nice day spent with the family. Um, you know, you can have everyone over, but yeah, it was it was good. It was alright, but. Um, yeah, it was just nice to it's just nice to have a bit of normality for a day. Um, you know, considering we're we're in another lockdown now for God knows how long. But um no, it was nice, mate. It was good. Yourself? Yeah, yeah, very good, thank you. After the, the few months of obviously not playing rugby, how how much of a relief was it to be back with the blues, you know, just at least training? Um God, yeah. So that we when we just started March, when that's when we went to lockdown. Yeah. March. Yeah, um, God, it was mental. Like I think everyone thought that, you know, by June it'll we'll all be back play we'll all be back in training or what have you. Even even April, we were like, God, it'll only last a couple of weeks. But then when it went on for that amount of time, it was like, God, this is mad. But I was fortunate enough to um I, I put a gym up in my mum's uh, shop. So behind uh, where she works and uh, she's got like a coffee sweet shop kind of thing. And I put a gym in the back, um, so a gym by me, um, I rented off, just rented some equipment, stuck it all in the back, and I was able to use that end to train. Um, so it was actually all right, because as he said, something to do, because I know a lot of the boys didn't have any equipment or anything to do in that time. So I like, I would have been going off my head. <laughs> so it was just it was just crazy to hear some of the stories when we came back, the boys had like no weights or anything. Um, but obviously we were all able to run and, and what have you. But yeah, I think after the first couple of weeks um you really start to miss it then because funny enough at the start it's like it's like it's, it's nice to have that that break from from the game I suppose it gets on top of it sometimes you know week to week um and the games don't get easier now you know they're, they're, every team is competitive so when you're playing you're constantly in that cycle of getting yourself up for the game um, so it was nice for the first I'd say three weeks but then after that then you're like god when are we actually going back and then you know, 12 weeks later, you're like, oh, come on, we need, we need to give up playing. So finally, when we got back in the training, then everyone was refreshed and I'm looking forward to getting uh, back into the season. So, no, it was uh, it's crazy, though. Yeah, it has been a crazy year. But for yourself, obviously, getting your first cap against Scotland, how much of a good feeling was that? Oh, mate, it was, it was mad because considering I wasn't in the squad originally, um, and then I had a phone call then. Um, it was after the Connor game. So Sunday morning, I had a phone call um, asking um, asking me to come in on the on the Monday. And then from there, then it was just <laughs> it's just madness. Just obviously they played uh, the boys played France. Then the week later, I was selected to play against Scotland in my first game. So it was just a whirlwind, really, mate. It was just absolutely mental, mental couple of weeks. Considering, like I said, it wasn't in it, and then to be starting against Scotland, so. It was uh, took me by surprise, but yeah, it was amazing, amazing occasion, amazing day. Um, just a shame, really. The only thing I'm gutted with, I couldn't have, couldn't have my family there and my girlfriend and stuff. And you know, if someone said to me when I was a kid, "Look, one day you'll make your debut for Wales, but it won't be in the Principality Stadium. There'd be no fans there. You won't have your family or girlfriend there." I'd be like, "What?" <laughs> so like, <laughs> it was a bit of a mad one, really. So you know, hopefully, I get more opportunities in the future um, and I'll class that as my first cap then if I have my family there. 
Yeah, you mentioned your family and your girlfriend there. There must have been um, some big celebrations at home still. Oh, yeah, when I came back, everyone was was over the moon. It was brilliant. I had phone calls, texts off everyone, FaceTime. So, like, that was brilliant, like, in fairness. I think Arthur Rombo was, like, celebrating. It was brilliant. It was really good. So, you know, it was um, it was good to have that aspect, everyone messaging and, and stuff and saying congratulations. And, you know, it is it, it goes by like that. Like, I remember speaking to... Um, Oh God, was I, I was speaking to Justin Tipperick and he said it just goes by so quick to just enjoy every bit of it. Um, and it did. It went by like a flash. But uh, no, it was something I'll, I'll definitely never forget, even though in bizarre circumstances with nobody there watching, it was it was still you know, playing for your country in your first cap. You'll always, you'll always remember that. Did it put you out of your comfort zone at all? Like you were kind of the new guy or is it something you just took in your stride? Um, I, I suppose I suppose you can overthink it a little bit, can't you? If you think about the occasion rather than just the game, if that makes sense. Because um, rugby is just a game of rugby. Obviously, it gets harder the, the higher the levels you play and what have you. But you can overcomplicate it. And I suppose if you let the occasion get the better of you, then you've done perform to to your best. But no, the first uh, couple of days I was in in the building, I was a bit nervous. But then everyone's welcoming. Everyone's um, getting you up to speed with calls and what have you and so that's really good and all the staff were brilliant all the boys everyone was great so I felt right tongue within the first couple of days really um, so then when it came to that test week I was actually quite comfortable um, so that was really good it gave me a lot of confidence then going into going into that game so yeah it was really good You started the season uh, pretty well um, for the Blues you know, you've been playing well for the, you know, just before lockdown as well. So was this something, you know, this call up a surprise to you? Um, it's it's something that you always push for. Like it's oh, that's that's the reason I that's the reason I play. Like I want to play at the highest level for as long as I can. So, um, when I, the squad got got announced initially, I was really disappointed that that it wasn't in. Um, because like I said, I thought I was playing well enough before lockdown and those two games when we came back, I was playing my best rugby really. Um, so I wasn't uh, named in the squad, I was really disappointed. But then, you know, to get called in and I felt like I proved myself in the in the first game to 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 try and be in the future if, if playing well enough, obviously, in the in the coming games. But um, yeah, it's... This, uh, if you said to me two years ago, I by now I'd have three Welsh caps, I would have I would have bitten your hand off there. So it's um, I'm in a lucky position to be, but obviously there's a lot more hard work now to do to to get back into future squads. Yeah, definitely. And just lastly, from me, it wasn't the best of autumns uh, from a Welsh point of view, but for you personally, yeah. in your performances in the red jersey, how did you think you did? Yeah, um, overall. Yeah, happy. Um, you know, I think like the first game, it, it went it went well for my for me. So um, I had quite good um, reviews from it as well from from coaches and, and stuff saying that I performed very well on on that day. So um, yeah, it was just I enjoyed the experience, mate. The experience was brilliant. Um, you know, you learn a lot, not just um, not just on the field, but off the field as well. Uh, sorry, on, on the training paddock. Not just in a match as well, and so you learn a lot what it, what it takes to, to play that level um, over a number of years. You know, it's, you look at the likes of Alan and Jones and 
Jonathan Davis and all these players are established as, you know, one of the best players in the world for in their position for a long period of time is because what they do and how they prepare for international rugby, you know, it takes a lot. It's mentally, um, it's mentally quite exhausting. Um, but that's but that's what it was that's what it takes to, to stay at that level. And yeah, you learn you learn a lot about yourself really. Um, you learn a lot about if you can stay there, uh, um, and you just soak everything up in your stride, and, and that's what I did. I, re- I really enjoyed the experience for the seven or eight weeks I was there. Then we've spoke about your time with Wales, but before you were called up, you played very well for the Blues. The Blues were doing well. Since then, a bit of a mixed bag. How do you rate the season so far for the region? Um, yeah, like you said, it's just a bit of a mixed bag of emotions, really. Um, we've had some really good performances. I think after we came back, after lockdown, we played the two um, the two games against Scarlets and Ospreys. Um, Scarlets obviously wasn't very good. Um, you know, it were you could tell we've been off. We've been off for months. Um, that was that was evident in that game. But then we played the Ospreys um, in the second game, and we played a lot lot better brand the rugby, and that really gives a lot of confidence. Then going into the uh, two games against Zebra and Connacht. Um, and we performed really well in them games. Um, and we were quite pleased with that. Uh, but when I was away then uh, with Wales, I was watching. <laughs> we, had, we had the foothold in the game. Every game I watched, I thought we'd win. And then the last 15, 10 minutes, we just let it slip. Um, so, like, we're playing the right... The way we're going, we're playing the right kind of rugby. It's just about doing it consistently for, for 80 minutes and... You know, that's what we're trying to do as a team and as individuals. We're just trying to get better and figuring out figuring out how we can perform for that 80 minutes to, to get on the right end of the scoreboard. From two in the European Challenge Cup, is that a trophy you're aiming to lift? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the boys were lucky to be you know to win it 2018 when they were lucky to be in. Um, they were privileged to, to lift that trophy, and you know they deserved it. Thoroughly. They played brilliant in that in that campaign all the way through. Um, and I remember seeing the boys um, after, like, putting photos up after it was in the change rooms. They looked just absolutely over the moon, and and it was an unbelievable match as well for you know Anscum to kick that that kick right in the last uh, minute to, to win it for the boys. And you've seen the celebrations and stuff, and, and what it meant to them. So that's like that's definitely that's why you play, isn't it? That's why you want to be involved in in big moments, in big games like that. You want to be lifting silverware, and you know, and that's something I inspired to do as well. And with the squad we got now, there's no reason why we can't do that on paper. We right all the way through. We got so many talented boys, and so many boys are that are committed to the game. Um, so there's no reason why we can't compete and, and do it again. So in terms of the here and now, uh, you played around 30 minutes for the Blues in their Boxing Day win over the Dragons. Uh, Ospreys on New Year's Day. So how much are you going to win that one by? um, No, obviously, if anyone watching that game knew that it wasn't a game for the spectators, like, you know, most people would have changed it over and watched Carnation Street or something. It wasn't a a great game of rugby to watch. It was... um, it was horrible. I remember speaking to the boys when we were warming up. Just like, God, when is this rain ever going to stop? It was just absolutely horrendous. Running, uh, warming up, just running. Your legs felt heavy on it. Everything. It was just crazy. Um, but at the end of the day, you play rugby to win. So you're not always going to play the best rugby you want to play or display. Um, it's just so figuring out when you're in them games, when stuff's not going right, how 
how you can get yourself on the right side of the scoreboard. And you know, sometimes that is boring to watch, but at the end of the day, rugby's about winning and you know, we gotta win. So we're just that's that's good now. And we just need to do the same against Ospreys. We need to uh you know, hopefully the weather, the weather's not as bad, but we need to learn, look at a few things from the game. Um, but we're quite pleased that we battled it out right towards the end, um, and we camped in the on on their try on their um, goal line for long periods of time, and we came away with a with a good try at the end. So we're pleased with that. We're pleased in the direction we're going. Um, we just need to take that into Friday now. So you scored in the Christmas Welsh derby last year uh, against the Dragons. Back when fans were actually allowed in, so how much difference <laughs> is it um, playing in front of no supporters, um, especially in these big ones? You know, I, I was saying um, before we played the first game against Scarlets uh, when we were in lockdown, waiting to, to play them, and I said, "Oh, surely to God, it can't be, it can't be that much different." But like boys, we won't notice it. Like, you know, when you're in the heat of the game, you can't hear anyone anyway. And honest to God, when you're warming up. When we were warming up, I was like, "This, this, this doesn't feel right. This, this is not right at all." Like the build-up of it, the fans coming in, you're looking around, you know, everyone's waiting to see a good brand of rugby, and like it, it gives you that little bit. Like you've got your own motivation anyway, but it gives you that little bit more. You feel pressured to perform, um, and it gives you that bit of excitement as well. Just that added bit of excitement, um, and obviously you've got your family in there, so you're always. You know, you're always trying to do them proud. So I don't know. I think this is the whole thing of having fans and getting behind you, especially when, especially when you know you're up and you're winning, and they're all shouting and screaming, and and uh, everyone's behind you. You can really feel that. And the same when when you're losing, and you know they're really behind you. So you you do you do feel that when you're playing. So to have nobody there watching and, and stuff, you've got to try and create your own atmosphere if that makes sense so you celebrate the small little wins so when you get a penalty from a turnover or a try or whatever it is you really try and get behind each other and celebrate so you try and create a bit more of your own atmosphere if that makes sense nice one a bit of a difficult question there now so obviously you're at the blues at the moment um do you ever think about the idea of potentially uh, moving away doing something in a different country later on in your career Ooh. um i I don't know, it's hard to tell. Um, obviously, like I'm really enjoying, I'm really enjoying it. The Blues at the minute. Um, you know, still fairly young and into my career. So, look, it, it all depends what, why, what I achieve in the game. I think you know, if I was happy with what I'd done, and you know, if I play at a high level for a long time, then I suppose you could, at the tail end of your career, to go to look to play somewhere else. You know, I know a lot of players now. They, they're going up to France, but they also got this mental league out in America every night. So, you know, and it's a, I've always said I'd, I would have liked to live in America at some point in my life. So maybe that's something I might explore further uh, down in my career. But um, at the minute, I'm really happy at the Blues. And it's, it's, um, it's a good place. And I'm really excited where we're going. Oh, brilliant. Nice one. So we're going to take you back a few years now. Um, firstly, uh, to your time at Ponty. So how significant was your time there in the building of your character and as a rugby player? Oh, but honestly, the, I, I've said they, those, I think it was, that, yeah, that season I joined Pont, uh, Ponty. I absolutely loved it. Like every single game. I was never nervous, never put any pressure on myself. And that was probably one of the best Brands of rugby, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, pl I played. I got so much confidence from it. Um, even though that year I was struggling big time with with my knees, uh, I had two knee ops later on that year. But at the start, it was 
playing for Ponty was brilliant and the atmosphere in that stadium when we, when we were allowed fans, um, it was unbelievable. They're so, so passionate. I honestly, I, if I was to say to someone, if you want to go and watch a really good game of rugby from a fan's point of view, go to Silas Road. And it's just absolutely brilliant. Everyone's behind you, screaming, come on, Ponty. It's absolutely brilliant to play with. And especially like when, when you're playing someone like Murph or Ocari, it's absolutely jam-packed. And it really does feel like a really good competitive game as well. So, yeah, I really enjoyed my stint at Ponty. It's a great club. So you mentioned Ponty as a whole, how much they've helped you. Is there anyone in particular who's helped you develop? At, at Ponty. Just anyone in your career can be at Ponty or can be at Wales or the Blues. Um, Ponty developed um, a, a, a big person. I, I got to thank a lot um, for development and everything. Um, well, more I say developed more the foundations really. Um, if that's not going off track, um, is I've always said it like he's the, he's the main reason. What are the well? The bigger one of the biggest reasons I'm here now is is Chris Jones, who um, who coaches Romba schools, and he's been coaching Romba schools ever since he was like 15, I think, <laughs> and he's in his 60s now. He's um, he, yeah, he's a he's a massive reason. That he's um, he's he's everything that the rugby's about. You know, that hard hard work, graft, um, and that bit of dog in it, everything. He's um, he, he taught me a lot about the game, the you know, the big principles of of playing hard and playing hard for 80 minutes and just that old school mentality. I remember we used to have like, I think we used to train like three times a week from 12 all the way up to 15. And there would be like two and a half, three hour sessions. Like it was, uh, so I'm like, we had intense training from a very young age. So he installed that, <coughs> sorry, he installed that professional environment into from a very young age. So that was good leading into professional rugby then. So I've always carried those principles and values. So, um, you know, I remember I remember uh, texting him after my first cap and say, "Look, I would have never achieved this if it if it wasn't for you." So, yeah, he's a, he's a he's a massive reason why um, why I've got this far. So, speaking of people who've helped you, we are caught up with your old uh, PE teacher, Mr. Hughes. Oh, okay, yeah, um, a few yeah, episodes yeah. ago. Um, so, how important was he in your development? No, oh, really important, mate. Um, just a learned a lot from um, just the physical point of view, just from the, with the body and, and and little bits of training and detail and, you know, how you can improve as an athlete as well. So um, I remember he was, another one, he was brilliant. I remember uh, lunchtime, I'd always um, want to train. So I'd, um, he'd give me the keys for the gym. And to be fair, I don't think anyone else would have, would have done it for me. He, was, he knew like how serious I was about training and, how serious I was about rugby and, you know, I needed to, to get a weight saying or I needed to do some sprints or whatever. And he just gave me the keys to the to the sports hall and he said, look, crack on, um, just make sure you lock the gym up and leave it on my desk. And, you know, and for him to do that was brilliant. So he'd done that for the two years from year 10 to year 11 until I left. And, you know, I was able to do anything I wanted, really. So he was a massive... He was a massive help towards my development in that age, which is really a critical time, really, from 15 to, to 16, because that's then when you when you finish district rugby, you look to go into blues in the 16s and so on. So, yeah, again, mate, he, was a, he was a massive help. And he's a, just a top bloke as well. Really, really good bloke. And 
Um, he's someone I he's someone I really enjoyed being around from um, from from just 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 a chat to and I learned a lot off just about different sports and and how I can develop like I said how you can develop as an athlete not just a rugby player. Um, so he was really good, mate. Yeah, I, I speak highly of um, Mr. Hughes. He was brilliant. So another class experience must have been playing for the under twenties. So how was that? Oh, the like that that year was mad because I remember uh, I finished with the Wales 18s in the August playing yeah played a year up for under 18s yeah Wales 18s we just came back from South Africa and then later on um, into that season I was um, doing a bit in the BNI Cup and stuff for like the Blues Blues A and what have you so like I was pushing on quite well. Um, but then I remember I had a phone call uh, then um, off uh, Richard Hodges and said, oh, look, mate, just, you know, get in with a shout with the wheels in the 20s. And I was 18 at the time. And I was like, what? Surely not. Surely not. And he was like, oh, just keep playing well, keep doing this and what have you. Because um, I remember they were, like, struggling on second rows at the time. And obviously, I've always played back row. Um, so I was like, oh, second row. I don't really want to be playing there. But... It was an opportunity, and he and he came around and said to me, "Look, there's an opportunity here for you to start." There's, I think it was Seb Davis was out at the time as well, and a few others. So he was like, "There's an opportunity here. You know, this would be massive for your development. Um, just go for it." And you know, I went to training and everything, and you know, I was never expecting to start every game and and to win a Grand Slam was was unbelievable like that 2016 is is just absolutely mental when I look back now and I think of the memories and stuff it was it was brilliant you know that's that's something nobody can ever take off you and I was fortunate to to be a part of that and I remember that night um when we beat Italy for, for the Grand Slam and our final whistle went we were all just going absolutely ballistic it, it was um it was brilliant and then obviously then the following year then my last year with the um under twenties, uh, my last year with the under twenties. Then I was I missed the first couple of games. Um, it done something to my shoulder, um, and then I caught the Ireland and uh, France game, and then we had a really good World Cup then in Georgia. Um, not so good from like before, like a results point of view, but the whole experience was was brilliant. I loved them two years, really, really cherished it. So you were likened to. Alan Wynne Jones by Wayne Pivak prior to your first cap. So, is this the type of player and person you'd like to emulate in the future? Oh, look, it's there's no. I always say, right, if you wanna if you wanna achieve something and you wanna be the best at what you do, you've got to be willing to sacrifice a lot, and you've got to be. I, I won't say sacrifice because that sounds like yes, but I you've got to make a lot of choices. You got and those choices. Um, and you only got so much time in the day. So what you choose to do with your time is what will determine what you do with your future. And I remember when I first walked in, just he is so intense with everything he does. Every and I literally mean everything from analysis to trade. He's the first one on the training paddock and the last one off. He sprints to every single drill. Um <laughs> it's crazy. He like he plays the test match like it's like it's a Tuesday. It's absolutely mental. Everything he does is just at the absolute pinnacle. Like he goes 100% into everything. But you look at it and you think, God, this bloke is mental. But then you think, hang on a minute, he's got 152 caps now or whatever it is. There's no coincidence, is there? 
it's all coincidence how he's there and and it's just absolutely unbelievable so you know like I, I I get told all the time that I'm mental I need to chill out but then I look at him and say no I'm actually I'm actually quite normal because what he's done is <clears throat> what he's doing and what he's done is just absolutely amazing and there's there's no coincidence why why he's got there and with all the other best rugby players they all get there for one reason because they're that little bit different if that makes sense yeah, so just to finish off uh, the main questions now, and then we're going to fire in some quick fire ones for you to finish off. Um, yeah, always. Your motto is obsessed to be the best. Uh, with that in mind, uh, will you only be satisfied with what you've achieved when you've gone winning Lions tours, won World Cups, uh, and European and League trophies? Yeah. Um, no. Yeah. Like the, the meaning behind that is just is just trying to be the best version of yourself. Um, every single day so you know I won't be I won't be satisfied until you know I've achieved everything I want to achieve and like I said I want to I want to play at the highest level as long as I can and and be one of the best and you know in the world in my position and, and and if not the best so like that's that's the pressure and that's the expectation I put on myself because you know I've given everything from a young age so if I didn't achieve them things or get close to achieving them things then it'd feel like a waste of time and it'd feel like I'd failed, if that makes sense. Um, you know, a lot of people think I'd be meant over saying that, you know, they'd say, like, oh, you've got a Welsh, you've got three Welsh caps or what have you, that's brilliant. But, you know, it's, it's nothing unless unless I achieve and take every goal on the list. And so it's just a start, really, in my head. Um, I haven't achieved anything yet. All right, so just to finish off, um, got some uh, quick fire questions for you then. Um, we're going to do them one each. So I think I'm going to go from me. Uh, to James and then to Joe, if Joe is able to uh, to speak without the connection going all weird. Um, okay. So the first one is, uh, who's the best player you've played with or against so far? Uh, Jared Evans. Physically, who's the hardest player you've played against? Physically, the hardest player I've played against. Oh, my God. Um, Sam Henderil. What's the best match you've been involved in? Under twenties uh, Grand Slam final again. Uh, yeah, the last game in the under twenties against Italy to win the Grand Slam. So toughest club to play away from home, and we'll say that there, there are fans in the stadium for this example. Oh, okay, yeah, that's there's a couple, but I'm going to go with Manchester. Funniest teammate. Funniest teammate. Oh God, there's a couple. Uh, <laughs> funniest teammate. You can list them if you want. Um, I'm probably going to go with Liam Belcher and Dan Fish. Best roommate? Best roommate. Uh, Liam Belcher. Who's the worst crack? Who's the worst at handling banter? Oh, <laughs> the worst at handling banter. Uh, Corey Domachowski. Best drinker? Best drinker. Ben Murphy. Worst drinker? Me. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, that's um, that's it, mate. Cheers. No, that's good. No, that's good. Appreciate it, boys. Thank you.